Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Wednesday, November 16th, 2016. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pasca. The word of the year, the Oxford English Dictionary word of the year. Post-truth. That's Jonathan Dent, senior assistant editor to the Oxford English Dictionary. He told Reuters, post-truth meant non-objective facts are less influential than personal beliefs and feelings, and we are in peak post-truth. Post-truth, there was a substantial spike this year, wasn't there, in in its use? Uh, Compared to 2015, there's been around approximately a 2,000% increase in use, so that's quite large. Wait, percent? Empirical data? Isn't that? you know, truth? Did you rely on truths to put your finger on this post-truth phenomenon? Look, let's face it, post-truth is a terrible word of the year, though it is better than last year's Oxford English Dictionary word of the year, which was the laughing to tears emoji. Not a word. Post-truth is one of those charges like elitist or moral relativism that people or institutions get accused of, but no one quite cops to. It's a moving target. Now, that doesn't disqualify it as a word. It might be something that no one thinks applies to them, like invisibility, but we could still have a definition of it. But it's just a bad word of the year because it's not really the most salient word of this year. It is, in fact, the feeling of the moment. The British Zoological Association announces their animal of the year is the morose warthog. I expect institutions like Slate to be traumatized by all that has happened. But the OED, keep your apoplexy to yourself, or at least between a plum and a potosaurus. You're a dictionary. You're not a posting on social media. And you're an English dictionary at that. Stiffen that lip. Anyway, the word of the year clearly is not post-truth. It should have been normalize. And normalize has even changed. It used to mean to make Trump or someone Trump appear normal when he's not. So the Trump campaign was trying to normalize their candidate. But now it's not an effort to shape people's opinion of Trump. We lost on that one. It's an effort to shape Trump's actions in the world to try to use whatever levers there are to get him to act normally. Yeah, I know. Crying emojis all around. On the show today, I spiel about President Obama's frequent claim that now is the greatest moment in history. Is that still true? But first, Dan Abrams of ABC News has a new program out on A&E. It's like the TV show Cops in real time, unedited. He and two policing experts offer commentary on busts and conversations and confrontations between the police and the policed. Abrams claims he's striving towards transparency. I am not so sure. 
So we mix it up a little. Let's have at it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live PD is an arts and entertainment, no one calls it that, an A&E network show that will air every Friday for eight weeks. The first one went up on October 28th. The program shows the actions and investigations of police forces throughout the country. Six of them, including Tulsa, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Walton County, Florida, uh, South Carolina, Arizona, Utah, Viewers will, this is what they promise, ride along in real time with the police departments for a transparent look at law enforcement on duty. Here now a clip from the first show. A Tulsa PD officer spotted a guy wearing a light blue shirt, which is the Crips outfit in his community. Do you see any flags coming out of me? I see once upon a time, oh, maybe. So you trying to th- once upon a time, you know me that good. Uh, yeah, I've known you no, for No, you about, don't know me that I good. Do. You ain't never arrest me for no damn gang affiliation. Look up my foul. I ain't no gang member. All right. And don't accuse me as one. I think you are. Come at me as a man. Uh, and come I at cannot choose a, a man. You're the one that's getting sensitive and getting your feelings hurt. What you mean? I said, you're the one that's sensitive no, with your feelings hurt. Because you always disrespecting people. Every time I see you, you disrespecting people. I know. You're the wrongest person running people. And you don't need to have a badge. Man, because you're wrong for that. All right. Because nobody come in your white neighborhood, people, but you come in a black neighborhood harassing everybody black. Dan Abrams is the host of this affair, this affair that offers unfettered and unfiltered live access inside the country's busiest police forces. I keep quoting from press releases, but Dan is now here to give us a description. When we tune in, and I've watched the whole show, but uh, give listeners an idea of what they'll see. You know what you're going to see? Well, I don't know what you're going to see, to be quite honest. Um, that's the amazing thing about the show is the fact that we're following six police departments live in real time means I have no idea what exactly you're going to see. I do know that we're going to be moving between the police departments depending on uh, what's happening in the various areas. And obviously, you know, what makes this different, you know, there have been shows like Cops out there which have shown wacky moments where crazy people deal with cops, et cetera. That's not what this is. This is uh, in real time showing you uh, what police officers do and, uh, and, and how they do it. But because it's live, we don't know what we're going to see each week. Now, I have a question about the real time and the live designation. How live is it? Is it seven seconds delayed? Is it they film it and then someone makes sure no one dies? Give me a sense of that. Yeah. So, so look, there's more of a delay. Like, as, as you know, in, in news, we tend to delay seven seconds, sometimes 30 seconds. This is going to be, this is more than that because we're dealing with uh, cops and there are privacy issues and investigative issues. But the bottom line is that, you know, that's a minimum, it's a minimal delay. Um, you know, we haven't even sort of, there's no like firm decision here. It's going to be an X minute delay because it kind of depends on what's happening in the field. Um, so it's a, um, it's a delay of some minutes, 
um, exactly, you know, what the number is may even vary from show to show. Is it a documentary or is it reality TV? Well, look, everyone's going to define it the way they want. There are no participants in this who aren't real people, right? When I think of reality TV, I think of people who have been paid to be part of the show or to, you know, the, the, the police departments here are doing it so that people can see what they do. Um, and so I would argue that you'd be hard-pressed to distinguish this from a documentary on cops in real time. Question, comparison to cops. Um, on that show, the people who were arrested always had to sign waivers. I once did a story on that. It's kind of an interesting, the producers would do a lot to get people who were arrested on camera to sign waivers to show their face. But we see everyone who is arrested, accused, not arrested. We just see their faces, no pixelation, no waivers. What are the legalities of that? I ask you as a lawyer. Well, so, you know, it depends on where it is. If it's something that's happening on the street, in a public street, it's like any you know, uh, like we deal with in uh, news events. If it's, if it's on the street, we can shoot it. Uh, if it's in a public place, we can shoot it. If it's happening in someone's apartment, uh, we can't. Um, we'd have to ask permission uh, before going in. So, you know, it, it's not, this is not a novel um, uh, legal issue that we're dealing with in this case. But you know, it does change if we start to do, let's say, tape programming based on the live shows, you know, that new legal issues could arise. But when it comes to live programming and it's in a public place and it's on the street, there's not an issue uh, with that. But obviously, look, part of the reason for the delay is if someone starts screaming out, you know, someone's address, you know, they're probably going to bleep it. That's because the A&E executives are making decisions about privacy and issues of that sort. Uh, One word that came up a lot in you talking about it in the press releases is transparency, that people are looking for a transparent look at law enforcement. Is this transparency or is it more the appearance of transparency? And I ask that because obviously you work with the police. Things are shot sometimes literally through the lens of the police. Uh, A guy can be you know, talk to by the police and then the police go away. We stay with the police. We don't know what happened to that guy's life or the impact of him. So why is it transparent, not just in a pro-police yeah. way, but so that the communities who are being policed would feel like they got a fair shake? Well, for, first, let me just clarify something. We're not using the police officer's cameras. We have our own cameras. We have a dash cam. We have our own cameras there. You know, we're, it's not like we're plugging into the police's uh, camera system and using their system. But with that said, look, there are going to be people who are going to say, yeah, but come on, the police are going to be on their best behavior when you guys are there. And then when the cameras go away, you know, look, if that's the case, then great. I mean, great in the sense that if what we're doing is really going to make police officers think twice, think three times about what they're doing, because there's a camera there, that's a good thing. I mean, look, that's one of the reasons I think that dash that um that body cams are so valuable um is because in theory excuse me it's going to make police think long and hard they're going to know and by the way it's also going to make the people who are arrested think long and hard about saying something that's not true it's going to make the police officers think long and hard about saying something that's not true um so i think that that it has the same 
kind of effect psychologically as a, as a body cam. But look, if we were on 24-7, we would have a, a better ability to show full transparency. This is, uh, this is an effort at, uh, at transparency, but obviously in a somewhat limited way because it's on from 9 to 11 on Friday nights and not 24-7. So wait, are you saying that the trade-off is if millions of people watch your show, come away with the opinion that the police are polite and that communities aren't over-policed or communities aren't harassed, that's equaled out by the fact that those 12 cops or whatever will be nice to those specific 12 people they're being nice to? No, what I'm saying is that if people come away and see police officers doing what police officers do every day, that's not a bad thing. If what you're saying is, unless we see police being harassed, we're, unless we see police harassing someone, we're not getting the real picture. I would say I didn't you, say that. I, I didn't say that. I didn't even suggest that. I just well, I'm saying did. you kind of did. I will you say what did. I'm saying. I will say what I'm saying. So uh, there's no mistake. In, okay. Yeah. Unless we're getting the real picture, we're not getting the real picture. If you but, partner with six police departments, of course they're going to want to put their best foot forward. Wait, and in fact, did, in fact, if they, clip, yeah. you played a clip at the beginning of this show, right? Yeah. Where you show, you had uh, a guy yelling at a police officer for stopping him, right? A guy who went on a, you know, uh, you could, uh, I think the guy went on a, a fair critique of why are you harassing me? Yeah. Why are you asking me what I have in my trunk? I think that's a perfect example of transparency. Do I think that that officer is going to be thrilled about the fact that that segment was aired? No. Let's make a comparison, right? Let's compare it. This is because exactly the same critique you're making occurred when, it, when we talked about embeds, right, with the military. And the exact same questions were raised, which is, you know, hey, these guys are your partners here. You're going to get to know them. You're going to get to, to have a relationship with them, et cetera. You know, that is a reality of being an embed. It's true. It, there's no question about it. This, the same thing applies at the White House, which is when you're a White House embed, you have the same potential risk because the White House is, in effect, your partner. With that said, this is about um, as good an effort as I think anyone's made to date in showing this is, a, this is a, a documentary about police departments. Now, I understand that other people would like us to, maybe to do it about other things, right, about, about uh, police officers' relationships with communities. That's going to come up. People are going to see that. No, I don't think, I think the embed analogy is one that I thought of. And that is why news bureaus, if they're good, realize that they're only giving their viewers a glimpse through a soda straw. That is the uh, cliche. And so they have to flesh it out with other stories around that. Uh, I don't know that A&E is doing that. I don't know that it's again, A&E's but listen, job. Listen, yeah. to you, listen to what you're asking for. You're asking for A&E to become a news network, right? You want, I, I get it. I, you know, we're both in the political media world. That, you know, you're asking for... A&E to suddenly become a 24-7 news network. That's not what they do. And I think, and I give them credit for being willing to do this because there are risks involved in this. There are risks that they're going to lose a potential partner, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the show, maybe they do lose a police department as a partner. Hey, your you entire know, your entire show, every visual depends on the cooperation of the police department. If, it's if this, different if from any other kind of news. If, if one police department wants to drop out, we've got six others that want to do it. And I'm guessing that after the first 
episode, we're probably going to have uh, dozens who'd be happy to fill that spot. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. First of all, I have a lot of relatives who are cops. I know it's a very tough job. I know that I think most people would be shocked at the level of harassment, vitriol, and just crap they have to put up with. And I think your show can be and has been at times entertaining and instructive. It's just the hype around. And I also understand you got to get people to watch. But to promise that this is the transparent look at policing in America, I think it's more like the soda straw. That's what I'm saying. How about a transparent look as opposed to the transparent look. Can we agree on that? I don't think the word transparent should be applied. Oh, you just don't think, you think that having a camera with police departments, you simply can't use the word transparent because we're not doing a 24-7. No, I don't think it's a 24-7 thing. I think it's a total... Look, you have two officers in the studio who offer context. That's great. I love to know how the police make their decisions. I think it would be interesting one week if you had maybe a civil civil rights lawyer join them. And and, and the purpose of that is to... Increase the transparency. No, 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 no. Civil rights lawyer isn't going to create transparency. A civil rights lawyer is going to create conflict. A police department officer might not either. No, no, look, but I, I think that there is a show to do where you have debates, right? Uh, uh, and, and the show is we're going to have debates between civil rights lawyers and cops about how the police do what they do. That's not what the show is. No one's saying that that's what the show is about. I think if this you is- had if you had if you cast it well with the right kind of lawyer, maybe someone who had experience in a police department or as a prosecutor and would talk about the legalities, the problems that could be fascinating. Actually, well, I, I will pass your name along to the A&E. <laughs> I'm executive. not the expert. I'm not the expert. OK, Dan Abrams, host of Live PD on A&E Fridays for weeks and weeks to come, at least a month more. Thank you, Dan. Sure. My pleasure. And now the spiel. President Obama spoke in Athens today, birthplace of democracy, appreciator of Obama's attempt to pronounce Greek garments. Fustanellas. And Greek food. Spanakopira and some ouzo. But then President Obama said something else that set me to thinking. It's something he acknowledged that he says a lot. And of course, I always have agreed with him. But now I want to rethink it. So he's going to make a broad sweeping statement about the state of the world being better now than it ever has been before. But let's tweak it a little and question if the statement that we're going to play for you in a second applies to the part of the world that Obama presides over, America. Let's hear that statement. I've often said to young people in the United States, if you had to choose a moment in history to be born and you did not know ahead of time who you would be. You didn't know whether you were going to be born into a wealthy family or a poor family, what country you'd be born, whether you were going to be a man or a woman. If you had to choose blindly what moment you'd want to be born, you'd choose now. Because the world has never collectively been wealthier, better educated, healthier, less violent than it is today. That's hard to imagine given what we see in the news, but it's true. Now, this idea is 
as I hear it, a variation on a notion championed by the political scientist John Rawls. He said to determine which is the most just society, imagine being randomly born to any class in any circumstances of a society, and which one would you choose to be born in? That always favored the Scandinavian states, right? Even if you believe in the American dream, they do have the better safety net. Maybe that's the point of the exercise. Although maybe the kind of person who does subscribe wholeheartedly to social Darwinism would still choose the United States. Anyway, this is a little bit different of a question, as I said, uh, as Obama put it, it's worldwide. But that's not the question I want to think about. I want to think about right now for the United States. Is it true? Up until a week and a day ago, I would say, of course, it's true. But let's see if the answer is different now than it would be then. So if you look at lifespans, they didn't rise much above 60 until the 1930s. Then they rose, but dipped. And then they rose steadily post-World War II. Post-World War II was also a time of economic expansion and optimism. You know, Americans didn't objectively have it better than they do now, but they probably felt better. Except, remember our premise, randomly born into any strata of society. So you just simply cannot pick a year of U.S. history pre-civil rights. No one would want to be randomly born in a country where, by dint of your race, you have fewer de jure rights than your fellow citizen, if it was a time when you were allowed to be a citizen. So that means you might want to be born in the 1970s. I was born in the 70s, but you have to be careful. Economists will tell you that if you enter the workforce during a recession or a downturn, it leaves scars that last throughout your life. Workers never recover taking that first job that you have to take, that you settle for, or not working, have long periods of not working, or having your initial wages being depressed. Not only does it take a long time to recover from that, you don't. It's like a heart attack from years ago that can show up on the EKG. So a great year. If your timing is right, you want to hit the expansion of the Clinton era and be in good enough shape to weather the tech bubble and then the Great Recession, you might want to be born in the mid-70s, maybe 73. You understand technology enough not to be left behind, but you aren't a net native. I cannot prove this, but I think it's good to have a foot in both worlds, to have experienced analog media as something other than an icon on your digital media. So if you were born in 73, 74, things were pretty good. You had enough career behind you to weather the downturns, the terrible attack of 9-11 during your lifetime. But remember, there was no draft. So you probably weren't going to be made to fight in a war that you didn't sign up for. And if you were born in the year I said, you know, 73, 74, you were probably a little too old to be in the military at the time of 9-11 and then made to fight in a war when you signed up for a peacetime military. Also, you'll probably die of natural causes before global warming can get you. Now, I have to say, it was probably thrilling to be born in 1990, and then your first election is of Barack Obama. But you did catch the worst of the recession. You are old enough to have really processed 9-11. Although, on the other hand, you were probably on Twitter for a long time before things turned really odious. There's a good case to be made that if you were born in 1994 or 95, the timing was just right. Here's a CNBC headline. College graduates of 2016 face best job market in history. That's people who were born in 1994. Yeah, you missed MTV when they actually played videos, but things were pretty good. We do not know if a kid born today will have it better. We're pessimistic after the Trump election. We're probably thinking, well, even if... We are wealthy enough or white enough to weather whatever he brings. What about Muslim people? What about Hispanic people? Yes, good point. But let's go back to the original exercise. Imagine you're born to any strata of society. How good 
do American Muslims really have it now? How good do immigrants who are in this country, kids who are in this country only under DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program that President Obama signed? The optimism about the status of those people wasn't so much that they had it great today, but that they had a brighter future. And that's what Trump does. He doesn't actually change the reality. He changes our perceived trajectory. And it's something we can't know, but it's something to take into account. As Kierkegaard said, history can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forwards. But there also seems to be some essential part of human nature, or at least the American experience that lies beyond the description of even the best Danish philosopher. I do keep thinking that it's more than nostalgia that makes it true That when most people look back, they realize that they had it pretty good. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Mary Wilson snuck away from the prying eyes of her press pool to go to the 21 Club, where she soaked in a standing ovation because she just wants a normal life, damn it. Just producer Chris Berube's word of the year is gobsmacked. Steve Lichtai, executive producer of Slate Podcast, word of the year is blue wall. Andy Bowers, Chief Content Officer of the Panoply Network, Word of the Year, post-twerk. The gist, our Word of the Year, calciform, of or relating to a shoe or slipper. It's not a new word, but you should know it, calciform. Oomperu depperu dupru, and thanks for listening.